0: You are listening to an Easter message from Jubilee Church in St. Louis, in which we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, Easter, uh, as you may know, is is an annual event that celebrates the resurrection. But the resurrection just isn't at the center of Easter. It's actually at the center of Christianity, uh, christianity uh, at its foundation it's not a ism or some belief system you know some kind of like five steps to a better life um, paul says that without the resurrection paul an early church leader said without the resurrection christianity has no merit that christians should be pitied above all else if there there is no uh, resurrection and and that is what is at the heart it's not uh, it's not a, a branded set of values, it is a response to an event, it's a response to the fact that Jesus, he died, uh, he was buried, and he rose to new life, and this event just absolutely transformed the world, the, the known world uh, there in Jerusalem, uh, more than 2,000 years ago, within just a couple of months. Uh, Many thousands of people believed that Jesus died, but he didn't just die, but he rose from the dead. Not in a galaxy far, far away, but in the actual city that he was brutally beaten and killed in uh, was this this new thing called Christianity that its foundation was an event that happened in that city. It's just like if I was to like start a new religion that was based upon the fact that the Rams are still in St. Louis and I got thousands of people to follow me, it would be a false heretical religion that you could quickly disprove by just going downtown on game day and saying, no, wait a minute, the Rams don't play here. They could have done the same thing back then. They could have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is just two months ago. He, uh, We we could disprove that. In fact, there was uh, the Romans and the, the Jewish leaders at the time, the religious elite, uh, they, had, they were very interested in this message not getting out. In fact, they used to uh, uh, imprison people. They would beat people. They would even kill people who, who believed in that the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, I don't know what neighborhood you come from, but people usually don't risk their lives or give up their lives for something that didn't actually happen. And this happened with all, and, and then over the next 30 years, it absolutely transformed that world. And it's had a ripple effect ever since. And all that just to say that the resurrection is the center. of It's what, it's what makes Christianity, Christianity. And so I want to talk about the resurrection today. But I don't want to talk about the story of when Jesus rose from the dead. I want to talk about another resurrection that Jesus was involved in with a man named Lazarus. Uh, because I don't know about you. it's I mean, I think it's great that Jesus rose from the dead but you know what's something that's even better than Jesus rising from the dead it's me rising from the dead like like i want to know like this is going to happen to me and and I, i'm sure if you're the same thing like the way that cr- this comes alive for you is when you realize that it's not just something that happened to somebody else that you know that you admire and respect but it can it can actually happen to you and so that's what i want to talk about so i'm going to talk about out of john 11 if you if you've not uh, brought your bible we 'll have this on this on this on the screen for you here john eleven uh, verse one'll i 'll read it and we 'll follow along it says now a certain man was sick, and we 're going to find out that he was more than sick He's he 's going to die um, and this his name was Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Martha and her sister Mary and so they were all together in verse three it says, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love' is sick. Now, this is bad news in the midst of a good life. And I don't know where your life is right now, but, you know, some of us have some things to celebrate. But I know in this room right now, uh, people are hurting. Uh, It's not all good news. Maybe someone you're close to has cancer or some, you know, the job that you want is no longer your job or your dream marriage turned into a nightmare or the principal calls you to let you know that your student didn't make the honor roll. In fact, it's way, way worse. Uh, there's, there's some issues there, and or maybe it, exactly what happened to this. Maybe someone's called to say the one you love is sick. That I've got someone very close to me: my mom, my sister, my son, my daughter, is sick. This about this time last year, our J Kids director, uh, Ellie Sanizero, uh in this location, uh, came over to her house because she was going to give our uh, daughter a ride to the, this middle school. A Bible study, and she was coming over earlier because I was going to talk to her about this staff position uh, to be our J Kids director. And and about a month before that, she had, um, or her and her husband Scott, they found out that that she was pregnant. And so that news had gotten out. And so when she came over, I asked her, say, "Hey, how's it going? How's the?" And, and that's when she began to hold back the tears. Um, she's like, "Well, actually, we got some really bad news. That uh, the 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 doctors did a test." And they they screened her, and they they believe that she has this she has an extra chromosome. You're supposed to have 46 X, and she we believe that she has this uh, this extra one that leads to all different kinds of of developmental disorders. And I'm trying to encourage her. I was like, well, you know, maybe that test isn't very accurate. And she's like, well, no, it's more than 99% accurate. It's virtually guaranteed that she'll have this. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, what do you tell this new... How do, what do you say to a new mom who's just heard the one that she loves is sick? Now, in this story, in the, in the middle of all this, Jesus says something amazing. In verse 4, he says, when he heard this news, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. This very thing that you do not want to happen... God's going to do something amazing in it, and it's not going to lead in death. Death is not going to be the end of this. And everyone would have assumed, well, Jesus is going to come in and save the day. He's going to come in and heal this person. God's going to make everything better. I'm going to get my job back. I'm All these good things are going to happen because they would have seen Jesus dozens, if not hundreds of times, heal perfect strangers. Certainly, he's going to heal Someone that he's related to. Someone that he actually knows and cares about. But he doesn't do that. Two days go by. He's just hanging out. Everyone else is freaking out and Jesus is hanging out. And time's going. He doesn't do anything. And then finally after he says, okay, we need to go to, we need to, go to Judea. We need, a, we need to go see him. And they're like, well, he's dead. He's like, yeah, he's, he's asleep and we need to go wake him up. And, and that was a metaphor for, yeah, he's dead and we need to go take care of him. Now, when people hear about a resurrection, um, there's different responses. There's, there's responses of doubt. There's responses of discouragement. And this story, we, we, we read about um, multiple different kinds of responses that people had through the life of Thomas, through the life of Mary, through the life of Martha. And I wonder this morning what your response is to the resurrection. So, the first one we're going to look at here is Thomas. Look what Thomas says. He said, Let us also go that we may die with him. Sarcastically. Great idea, Jesus. We're just going to go there and die like him. Nothing's good going to happen. So, you know, Thomas, he's known as Doubting Thomas, but now he's Sarcastic Doubting Thomas. Great idea, Jesus. Another winner. I mean, he's just, t- I mean, maybe this is how you can relate to that. Like, just doubts. You've got doubts about what Jesus is going to do. Something, Inside, Thomas is dying on the inside. and Maybe something in you is dying. You're living in a tomb of doubts. This is never going to happen. This is what he says. So he says, you know, yeah, sure, we'll we'll just end up dead like Lazarus. And I wonder how many here this morning would admit that at some point in your life, you've wrestled with spiritual doubts. How many here? I know it's Easter. But how many here? Just raise your hand. How many of you have wrestled with spiritual doubts? Thank you for your honor. Now the rest of you, while you're polishing off your halo, let me talk to the the rest of us. Because we've all been there. We've all prayed for someone and and hoped that they would be healed. And maybe even thought, man, they're going to be healed and and they weren't healed. Or like, God, you know, I really want this good thing for my child. or I want this good thing for my family. And you really believed it was going to happen and it didn't happen. And it kind of spun you into doubt. Or maybe you grew up in a, in a Christian home and then you went off to college and then some professors in some lit class said something and it s- sent you spinning. Like, was this just my parents' faith or was this mine? And So you have this, these doubts. Or maybe someone that, like in this story, someone that you know, someone that you love is sick. Maybe even passed away and has caused you to doubt. And you feel like you're in a tomb of doubt. And you're not going to be able to get out. Well that was Thomas. So you may be like Thomas. Or maybe you're more like Mary. She's not in a tomb of doubt. She's in a tomb of discouragement. She just didn't see anything good happening. Check out what she says in verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went to meet him. But Mary remained. Now. You may not know this, but Mary, this is the same Mary that in Luke 10, 38 to 39, you know, the famous story of Martha and Mary. Martha's the one who goes around serving, but Mary, man, she's at the feet of Jesus. And she's she, full of adoration and full of love for Jesus. You know, never misses a Sunday, never misses a community group, always there to pray. Just always, always there. She couldn't even get out of the house. Doesn't even want to see Jesus. I don't want to see him. I'm so distraught and discouraged by my situation. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're in a tomb of discouragement. You know, I can't change anything. I feel alone. I feel depressed. You know, not, I'm, not, I'm stuck in this job. I'm stuck in this, you know, this, this marriage that I thought would be better. You thought there's no way around it. Now, but you're here, You're it's Easter and you're smiling. You got, you know, your nice clothes on and... Maybe even like the Christian lingo is coming back to you. Hallelujah, amen, glory to God. But inside, it was just discouraged. Really, really discouraged. Maybe you're not in doubt and discouragement. Maybe you're in a tomb of delay and bitterness. That's Martha. Martha's back to her old ways. Jesus took too long and... She begins to play the blame game. She's a believer in God, but she's also a blamer of God. God, you, you know, you should have been here. You could have done something about this. How come you didn't come in and save the situation like you always do? You did it for them. How come you wouldn't do it for someone that you are even related to? God, it's your fault. Well, how long did he wait? Well, verse 17 says this. Says that, that he had waited four days. Did Jesus wait four. Now, why does four days matter? Well, back then in this time period, this wasn't a Bible idea or a Christian idea, but people believed that when you died, that your spirit hung around for three days just to make sure that you were all the way dead. You know, how many Princess Bride fans do we have? Not mostly dead, but dead, dead. Like, you know, like, that's what spirits believe. They believe that you could be mostly dead. And so, but after three days, you were were dead, dead. And uh, and so that was the spirits could leave after. And so he waited not because this was true, but because he wanted everybody to know that how dead Lazarus really was. In fact, so dead, um, Martha's tried to explain just the odor. And I think the King James is the only one that gets it right. He stinketh. He stinketh. He's not just mostly dead. He stinketh dead. That's how dead he was. And that's what being dead for four days will do to you. He stinketh. The spirit's gone, dead, dead, not mostly dead. Stinketh dead. And she's like, you waited too long, Jesus. If you had been here, you could have done something. I don't know why you didn't do it. And she's in all kinds of bitterness. And maybe maybe you're in that. You're just in like this tomb of delay. Like... You know, like maybe you're you're like, I mean, all my friends are married and I'm single and I just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Why is this, you know, what's wrong with me and what's wrong with God? Nothing wrong with God, nothing wrong with you. Why is it taking so long? Well, I don't know why it took four days either. Married couples waiting for a baby. You know, you go to people in, in your community group and they just like look at each other and they have triplets. I mean, it's like they don't... Or you're waiting for God to heal you. You're waiting for God to turn around your relationships. And because there's delay, it's turned into denial and bitterness and discouragement. And it's like you're you're in this tomb. Like you can't get out of it. You're like you feel stuck. And I hope that whether you are in a tomb of doubt, a tomb of discouragement, or a tomb of delay. I hope that you can, t- that God would come to you this morning and and do what she did and with with Martha. Check out what Martha though says in twenty four. Even though she was in this place, she says, "But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you." I e- even now, even though that I'm experiencing delay, even though I'm experiencing discouragement, even though I'm experiencing doubt, even now. God will give you whatever you ask and that's exactly what he did with little Rosalie um, as I, I, again I was trying to encourage her and and um, she she was telling me like her and her husband that night when they after they found out what was going on they went to you what know, they read, and they prayed and they talked and they cried till way in the morning and they finally got to this place to where they felt like God was going to give them peace no matter what whether, this, whether little Rosalie had 46 or 47, God was going to equip them to, to love her and that God was going to do something great through this. In fact, they changed her name. So you, you got to know something about Ellie. She, she picked this name out like in the eighth grade. She's a go-getter. She's like, she's one of, and they, they had named her Rosalie May, but they changed it to Rosalie Matilda. Which means mighty in battle. God is with us in battle. God is alongside of me. And we're and they just got this. And then so months go by. And people prayed. And, I mean to know Scott and Ellie. And their family is to pray for them. People prayed for them. Leaders prayed for them. Their friends prayed for them. Their family. Everybody was praying for them. And then the day. Um, the day comes around where Rosalie is born. And this the concern about uh, her condition gave way to joy. The fact that this baby had finally come. And then about... A week after that, they were going to get the diagnosis of what um, what the doctors had had thought would would happen to her, like what would be the effects and When they got the call from the doctor on the test, the doctor said, "Everything is perfect. everything is normal forty six chromosomes and and you know ellie's like had to hear it again, like she's like couldn't believe it." And then they, you know, they just with tears of joy, they're, you know, they're texting like junior high girls, like everybody they know, like trying to figure out like, man, this is what God has done. And, God, and then check out Rosalie. This is at Rosalie at three months. Look at that precious girl. Isn't that, she didn't get an extra chromosome, but she got some extra hair. And she's like, this is like award, this is world-class cuteness. This is what that is. I know all babies are cute, but she is super, super cute. And she gets to be in the office every once in a while, so she's, she brightens up the place. And this is what God wants to do with you. He wants you to have this even now moment. Like even now, I feel alone, I feel depressed, but God wants to come and meet you. His presence wants to come and meet you. And I've got this messed up family situation. and you Maybe you've got these, you know, Difficult relationships. God wants to meet you in that. He wants to turn those things around. And that's what he told Martha. He said, Martha, your brother will rise again. And she's like, Yeah, I know. Like, in the, you know, way in in the future, that's going to happen. And she's like, No, you don't understand. Check out what he says in verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I'm able to resurrect, I am the resurrection. I just don't resurrect people. That's who I am. Like, and when I show up, things that are dead come alive. It's just who I, it's just who I am. It's my presence. My presence takes things, takes the death away, takes the stone away. And that's what he did here with Lazarus. He looks at the tomb where Lazarus, Lazarus was dead and stinketh dead. He said, take the stone away. In verse 43, he called out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, and with his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, Jesus, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And some of you here this morning, just, you, you, need, you need Jesus to call you out of your tomb, just like he did for Lazarus. He called him out of his tomb, he moved the stone away, he called him out, grave grave clothes off and and maybe you need because something inside of you has died maybe it's faith that has died there's doubt that's creeped in or maybe it's discouragement and you don't have the strength to roll the stone away and let me just say you'll never have the strength to roll the stone away because you're well it's what it means to be dead stinketh dead Check out what it says in Ephesians 2.1. It says this about us. It says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It didn't say that we were sick or we were, you know, we have a few offenses that need to be forgiven. But it says that we were dead. We were in the tomb. The tomb sealed in our grave clothes. We need Jesus to roll away the stone. We need to hear Jesus call us out of our tomb, or we'll always be there. And that's what Jesus did for us. That you, this isn't Christianity is not about like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and like trying to live the right life and trying to live the good life and trying to get all your your eyes dotted and your t's crossed. It's about responding to the voice of God, who calls us out of our tomb. He wants to call you out of your tomb. He wants to make you alive. You see, Jesus came to earth in a town called Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, born as a virgin, without sin, without sin. And he lived a perfect life. He lived the life that we all know deep in our hearts that we should live. Never lied, never lusted, never stole, did ev- loved everyone perfectly, and he didn't have a big head about it. You know people who do things well and they're terrible to be around. He wasn't like that. He was kind and gentle and loving. Perfect in every way. And because he was perfect, he was the only one who could pay the price for your sin and for my sin. And he went to the cross on Good Friday. And he was nailed to that cross and he died that day. He died for your sin, not his sin. He died for your sin and he died for mine. We were dead in our sin and he paid the price and he was put into the grave, and the stone was rolled and covered it up, and it was sealed. And it's interesting, Mary and Martha, they come, and they find that the stone was rolled away. They're like, who has rolled the stone away? The same, it was Jesus once again. Jesus rolled the stone away for Lazarus. He rolled the stone away for himself, and he wants to roll the stone away for you. But you've got to hear that today. Maybe today you're in that place. You're in this place of discouragement. You're like, Brian, that's where I'm at. I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged about where my life is. Or maybe in that discouragement, maybe doubt. Like, I hear what you're saying, Brian, but I don't think. What's going to happen? It's just going to get worse. Yeah, Jesus, great idea. Let's go there too and we'll die too. Great idea. Or just delay, just bitterness and anger. Maybe you grew up as in a christian home or experienced christianity and it just just went sour for you somehow and you just have this bitterness built up god wants to call you out of that he wants to call you out of that death and wants to call you into his life so here's what i'd like you to do could we just bow could you bow your heads please and close your eyes it's nothing super spiritual but i just want to give some people an opportunity to respond If you're here today, you're like, Brian, yes, I could, I could really use some prayer. I could use, I, I'm, I've got doubts. I've got doubts. I've got my discouragements. I've, my life isn't what I thought it would be. I, I, it's even hard for me to even come to a place like this. I'm so discouraged. Or maybe just delay. You're just kind of. In a tomb of, of just bitterness and even angry toward God or other Christians. If, if any of those are true, no one's like, But you just raise your hand. So I just want to pray for you right now. Could you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm, I'm in a tomb of discouragement, doubt, delay. Great. i just want to pray for you. God, I just thank you that you are the resurrection. That you are the life. That whoever believes in you, God, you show up, life shows up. Where there's death, you bring life. God, just pray for my brothers and sisters in their doubt, in their discouragement, in their delay. God, would you meet them with their resurrection power. In Jesus' name, amen.